One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Well, once again, thank you so much to everyone who has been participating in our worship services. Uh, for Phyllis V. Meyer, who was our liturgist this week, for Derek Simons and his wonderful uh, special music presentation for us, for our praise team and Gary Brubaker, who have put our music together, for Gary Brubaker, who puts together all of our music, for Melody Mokros, who offers our children's time, uh, for all of you who have offered pictures, thank you so much for all that you have. Uh, as we um, continue in worship and we continue in our series where we're talking about wilderness stories, um, learning to walk in the dark, wilderness stories. And we've looked at stories of wilderness throughout scripture. We've talked about Hagar and Jacob and Moses. And for the next few weeks, we'll talk about Jesus in the wilderness. And we'll see what we take with us into and out of the wilderness. Bishop Latrell Easterling, who is the bishop of the Baltimore-Washington Annual Conference, asked a few weeks ago, what are we prepared to leave in the wilderness when we emerge? What do we leave behind and what lessons do we keep? So today we look at the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, the wilderness is an image that we've been talking about for the past few weeks. Um, and sometimes the, the wilderness is that physical place. I mean, the, the Israelites wandered the wilderness, um, or Jacob was in the desert, um, or Hagar and Ishmael got left in the wilderness and even here, it ta we're talking about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And so there's, there's some physicality to the wizard, to, to the wilderness, but not always. Sometimes it's about the emotions that you feel in the wilderness. You can feel lost or confused um, or even just isolated. And a lot of times within the wilderness, it's, it sort of feels like you're abandoned by everyone, especially by God. But as we hear these stories and we read these stories throughout scripture, um, we hear and read that no, we're never abandoned by God. Even though it may feel like it, we're never alone and we're never abandoned. So that's a helpful reminder for us when we find ourselves in the wilderness that we're not alone, that God is always with us. So we have this story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness by the devil. Um, and this is a story, like I said, that it's often told at the beginning of Lent. Um, and so it sets up the season of Lent in a similar way uh, that Jesus was tempted. So just as Jesus was tempted, so we offer things from ourselves um, and we resist as just as Jesus resisted temptation, so should we. Um, and so throughout the season of Lent, people will give things up um, for the season um, to remember them. So sometimes it's um, chocolate or um, fast food or um, some people have given up in the internet or social media um, or sometimes people take on spiritual disciplines and in so doing, they're giving up their time. So there's lots of ways that people remember this. And always we remember that Sundays don't count 
in the, the counting of the Lenten days because Sundays we remember as mini resurrections or reminders of the resurrection of Jesus uh, because we are Easter people. So um, Lent is this time of giving up and with this story it reminds us temptation. Now there's a parallel with this story um, of of Jesus and with the Israelites. Now, three times when Jesus quotes back to the devil after a temptation, um, he quotes Deuteronomy in, in response to these temptations. And so there's a parallel to the Israelites' journey. Um, the Israelites wandered the desert for 40 years after leaving um, Egypt and before they got to the promised land. There's the temptation um, given to Jesus to turn these stones into bread, which is similar to the manna from heaven that God provided bread for the Israelites. There's just these testings of the Lord, testing God, um, and even idolatry of putting something above God. And so for those who would be hearing this story, it would remind them that they've been through temptations just like Jesus. And this story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness is actually a really important story, so important that it's told in three of the four Gospels. It's told in the Synoptic Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So John is the fourth Gospel, and it's not in, the story is not in that Gospel, um, but it's told um, through the other Synoptic Gospels. And Jesus was tempted alone. And so there was no one else present in the wilderness with Jesus. Um, there wasn't somebody documenting it like with a camera, like, all right, um, what's going on? Is that a camera? I anyway, um, so there wasn't anybody with Jesus to record what he had said. And so presumably he's talked about this with some people, um, whether it was the disciples or someone else. So we have this record of it. Um, and so, um, most of the quotations that Jesus offers, um, in conversation are quotations from scripture, not just Jesus quoting scripture though, but the devil quotes scripture. And so, um, this story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness is, is really important. Now, it usually follows his baptism. Jesus is baptized and then um, is driven into the wilderness uh, to, uh, to be tempted for 40 days. So this sets up who Jesus is and his ministry. So Jesus's baptism is, uh, is usually believed or declared to be his, his public affirmation of his baptism. And then um, the temptation in the wilderness cements that. Um, it helps to set up both his mission and ministry um, and his role. It's also a helpful reminder that he is both fully human and fully God. So Jesus is this, um, I mean, he's fully human and fully God at the same time, the dual nature of who he is. And so there's another character in this story, um, and that character is the devil. Um, the Greek word for that is diabolos, um, which maybe you've heard that, you know, in hot sauce or something like that, but diabolos or the devil. Um, and it means um, slanderous or um, 
um, accusing falsely. And um, which basically means that the devil is a liar. So that's not really a surprise, is it? I mean, that's sort of how we talk about the devil. And also, maybe you hear that, and maybe you even heard it in the story, and you're not fully on board with the devil. Maybe you just can't picture, like, the fiery creature that's often pictured, like, I just can't do, like, the, the horns and the pitchfork and, and all the thing. I'm just not sure that I'm there. And that's okay. Um, if, you can't, if you can't go there, that's fine. Um, when we think about who or what the devil is, I mean, we can do a lot of theologizing, and there's lots of places in Scripture to talk about the devil, but I think what's most important to remember about that is, again, what's the name? Um, Diabolos, the liar. And so even if you can't picture any sort of picture, you've encountered lies before. And you've probably been tempted by them before, too. And you felt the need to resist or not trust the lies? Is something too good to be true? So even if you can't go there, oh, you know what those are, right? We've encountered the lies. And sometimes we've resisted them and sometimes we haven't. I think that's the thing about temptation, too. I mean, when we think about temptation, the thing that makes it so tempting is that it's it's not impossible. I mean, we're not really tempted with the impossible. Because if you were tempted with the impossible, it'd be very easy to to resist. I mean... Would you, my um, my nephew uh, will often play a game um, about would you rather um, would you rather this or that and and there's sometimes these two impossible kinds of oh I can't pick um, but that's the thing about temptation is that you're not given like something that's impossible would you rather have this chocolate cake or have your toenails ripped out wall. Not a really difficult decision in that. Um, so that's the thing about temptation is that it's, it is sneaky because it's not impossible. So we're not, tempted, we're not tempted with the impossible or what we're actually tempted with is the overly possible. It's like the easy button or the easy way. I mean, when we want to take a shortcut, it's not usually because that's the harder thing to do. We take a shortcut because it's shorter and easier and it avoids some of that hard work. In the wilderness, Jesus is tempted three times. And the first time and the first way that he's tempted is personal. Um, I mean, he's hungry. He's been fasting. So turn these stones into bread. But it's also a little social because is this how Jesus is going to be known? 
Um, is this what Jesus' ministry and mission is about? Will Jesus' mission and ministry be about turning stones to bread? Well, then the second one is, is political. Who will Jesus submit to for the good of the people of the world? So who will Jesus bow down to or kneel down to? And then the third is religious. Will Jesus, will Jesus avoid death and force faith or test God or put something above God? Is that what Jesus' mission and ministry is? Now, in all of these situations, it's tempting Jesus by doing good. So you can do good by doing these things. Again, they're not impossible things. They're actually overly possible. Like to, to offer that you can do these things and you will do so much good by this. They all appeal to what people want and what people expect of Jesus or the Messiah. And so what does Jesus do? I mean, is this who he is? Or has God called Jesus in a different way? I mean, Jesus constantly surprises and, and changes expectations of people and, and lives into them in a totally different way. So Jesus is presented and offered this easy way to meet that ultimate goal, to do good for people. But there's a little bit of fine print in there. So you do these things, but there might be a loophole or there might be that fine print that it actually doesn't make things easier. But that can be our temptation in the wilderness to shortcut the work, to make it easier because the wilderness might not be a comfortable place. Again, it's, it's described sometimes as lonely or isolated or confusing. I mean, you're one, the Israelites were wandering the wilderness. That doesn't sound like, I mean, it's not like a happy stroll. Or Hagar was crying in the wilderness. Jacob wrestled with God. In the wilderness here, Jesus is tempted by the devil. Um, these are not great Places that you would think that, gosh, I can't wait to go to the wilderness. And so it would be really easy to, to hit that easy button or to find that temptation to circumvent or to leave, to not go through the journey. The Israelites cry to, to go back to Egypt because it's better to be in a place that we know that's terrible than a place we don't know. But the thing about it is, is that really the only way through the wilderness is actually through the wilderness. We don't have an easy button. We'll be presented with all kinds of easy ways. We'll be tempted with overly easy and overly possible ways. 
but that may mean we don't learn or change or grow. I mean, haven't you ever had one of those projects that you thought you could couple, cut like a couple of corners just to make it a little bit easier and then it wasn't? I mean, in fact, it made it harder or doubled or tripled the work. I mean, I can think of a few science projects growing up that it was like, uh, maybe if I just do this, then I can save myself a couple of hours of work and then it turned into 12 more hours of work, you know? I mean, the easy button, shortcuts, they're not always the right way. The wilderness affords us the opportunity to see what needs growth or improvement. During this past year of the pandemic, we have seen glaring parts of ourselves and our society that need change. And the truth is these things, both about ourselves and about society, have needed to be changed for a very long time. The change is really hard. And there may not be one answer as to how to change or fix it. But I think we can agree that there are things that are problems. I mean, we've seen glaringly obvious over this past year, particular groups who don't have access to proper health care or who can't afford proper health care. And what happens? We've seen how hungry people are, literally how hungry people are. And we've made adjustments to make sure that people get fed. We've had our schedules disrupted and perhaps seen how busy we've been and maybe just how unsustainable it is. How the need for rest is so important. I mean, it's one of the big 10. And so much more. And although we'll be tempted to return to where things were before, maybe to take shortcuts, to do the overly possible work instead of the hard work, I mean, we shouldn't. Because once you see, you can't unsee. Once you hear, you can't unhear. And we've seen. And so we shouldn't take those shortcuts through the wilderness because they're lies. Because the devil is a liar. So what will we take with us on the outside of the wilderness? And what will we leave behind? Because if we try and just fast forward or skip our way through, we may do more harm than good. And when you think of the moments that have changed your life, maybe this past year or just in general, they may not have all been positive. There were probably those moments that you never wished for. And yet they changed you. 
Maybe it made you appreciate something about life more or maybe it made you connect deeper. It changed you. And we tend to want to avoid pain or discomfort. And we do a lot to avoid pain or discomfort too. Sometimes it's like, you know, you get that small twinge of pain and you head for the Advil or you avoid a conversation because you know it'll be difficult. Or sometimes there are things that we do that are just even more self-destructive to avoid pain. But the only way to get out of it is to go through it. And there's not an easy way. We create a lot of easy ways. But the truth is, the only way to healing is to go through the pain. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And in order to get to resurrection, which is where we're going, there first has to be death. And we cause our own suffering when we try to get to resurrection without facing death. Glennon Doyle, who is an author and a speaker, she talks about pain as a hot potato. That we, we talk about pain as though it's hot potato, but it's not. It's not something that we're trying to get rid of. But pain is actually a, like a traveling professor that comes to everyone. What creates kindness and wisdom and bravery? Overcoming our pain. And she says, maybe as humans, we have the wrong job description. Maybe our job isn't to help people avoid pain, but to walk through it together. We have to go through the pain to get to the other side. We have to go through the wilderness and we'll get there. And we don't do it by ourselves. We can do hard things together. We belong to each other. We'll walk through this wilderness together. No one gets left out or left behind. It's hard work. And we'll need to resist the temptation to shortcut. But... Y'all, we have a really good example and a really good role model to follow in this. We can follow the example that Jesus gives us to resist temptation, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And not trust the liar. Thanks be to God. Amen.